welcome to the Catholic Center. Welcome to the Catholic Center. Welcome to the Catholic Center. Well, hey, everybody, this is Father Brian. On today's episode, I sit down with Claire. Claire is a social work major, and she's doing some pretty incredible stuff. Uh, she's currently interning with Catholic Charities Atlanta and trying to empower and uh, educate young children of refugee families. Uh, she's an inspiring individual, and I think that you'll enjoy this. The first semester was definitely that. That's the most free time I've had on my hands in a very long time. Um, and so just kind of like going back to what I was saying, it was that whole like trying to find my way apart from like um, the the worth and the the value that I had placed in like what I was doing all the time. Um, and so, and two, like, <laughs> I'm not going to say my first semester was great because I want to say that, like, I just really, like, um, you know, really used that, all that time to, like, the best and, like, um, those kind of things. But there was definitely a lot where I've, I didn't necessarily, but I think there was a lot of growth in, like, the things I look back and say, okay, I didn't do this very well and, like, then going forward saying, okay, like how can I do that better and learn from those things too? Um, so it's cool. And it's hard to, <laughs> it's it's been like this semester has been definitely a lot of looking back and reflecting on those things. I think there's things I would say now about my first semester that like in the middle of it, I w would not have, but I think that's an important part of growing too. So how did you decide to have a social work major? Like, where did that come from? Um, okay, so I applied as a psychology major. Um, I have always loved um, uh, working with kids, doing... I did a lot of service work throughout high school, and um, but I wasn't really sure. Like, I had thought education. I had thought um, lots of different things, but I was also getting a lot of pressure, like, coming out of high school, like... Um, I was pretty, like, um, I don't want to say, but, like, kind of top of my class, like, so I got a lot of pressure that way of where I should be going, and so I came in as a psych major, and then I, I wasn't, like, fully settled on that, and I actually then switched to sociology. This was all before I even got here, and then I heard about human development and family science, and I had switched to that. And then I still, all before I got here, um, I had gotten like my AP scores back and those kind of things and realized, oh shoot, like I have a lot of credit. And so I was thinking about doing like a double major to like make it take, you know, enough time while I was here. I didn't want to just like get in and get out and not have a college experience. Um, and so then I was thinking about doing a double major. Um, and I ended up meeting with a social work advisor, um, like before to register for my first semester classes. And she kind of meeting with her, she had kind of just, she was like, just tell me about like 
who you are, like what you want to do, where you kind of see yourself. Um, and she was like, yeah, I think social work might be the right place for you. Um, and so then I just took the first intro classes and I was like, oh yes, <laughs> this, this is really good. And this, um, encompasses a lot of like what really matters to me. Um, so. Yeah. So what is social work in general? Um, well, it's super broad, which is also a plus in me choosing it because, um, I have a, a kind of a general idea and I'm like refining that idea of like where I want to go, but there's so many options in social work, but I would say like the biggest parts of it are like, well, there's kind of two sides of it. One side is like working directly with people in lots of different settings. So in schools and hospitals and, um, correctional facilities in um, lots of different settings and like really like empowering people and like working with them to um pursue their own um what's what work with them through hard situations in their life but through like a lens of empowerment um and then there's like the more macro side of it so like policy change and like social justice work um yeah so those are kind of the big in social work (laughs) yeah is there any particular field that you like within social work that you seem to be gravitating towards? Yeah, so I, um, the it's been cool because I've kind of gotten to see a lot in my intro classes and I'm definitely leaning more towards like the micro type working directly with people. Um, I've done a lot of work with kids um, and so definitely like in that area, but also like I would say that's kind of my... Um, area I definitely want to work with kids and like I'm doing work now with um in like refugee resettlement which I have absolutely loved and so like I could definitely see that you know being the path I follow but I'm still open to exploring and like not not trying to close any you know doors before I explore them and kind of see what all is out there yeah so you mentioned refugee resettlement This is something that I'm passionate about, and uh, I heard that you were also involved in it uh, this past year or this semester. Yeah. Uh, So what is that? Yeah. What? uh, Who? Who is involved, and what is it that uh, the mission is doing? What is refugee resettlement? Okay. Um. So, generally, it's just I from. The time when refugees are, so like refugees will apply, once they're displaced from their like home country, they'll, they can apply for like um, resettlement in an, like an, a third country. Um, and so when I think, so if they're, if they apply and they're resettled in the United States, I think there's like nine, don't quote me on that, agencies within the United States that um, like accept refugees in and then they will um, work with them within their first um, like intensively within like their first year here but I think throughout like their first five years generally um, just supporting them getting them um, I, I'm interning at um, Catholic Charities Atlanta so they are through the USCCB um, and they work with families obviously like here in like Clarkson area Atlanta area um, to resettle them and 
do they do everything from like picking them up from the airport um, when they first get the refugee families when they first get here um, to like setting up their apartments and getting donations of like furniture and um, clothes for the families um, getting them a meal um, this is something I love that the agency does they the first night that families are here they get them a meal from a restaurant that's like authentic to whatever country they're from so like um, trying to make them feel at home here, but also connected to where they came from. Um, and then they have programs for youth. They help um, get kids enrolled in school, um, signed up for, like, social security and um, food stamps and, like, all those kind of resources. So just everything to support these families when they get here. Yeah. And do you know the definition of a refugee? So this is – there's a particular definition, I would say. Yeah. So – not like word for word, but it's it's individuals that are just displaced from their home country due to um, like war, persecution, um, different things like that when they're like forcibly removed from their home country. Yeah, displaced. Yeah. And so they apply through the legal process to be resettled in a different country. And you're saying in the United States there's... Uh, various different organizations that are committed to helping them, um, I guess, integrate into a new setting, into a new home, and to build a new home and, and a new life. Um, and I know that in Atlanta we have, there's less than a handful. I think there's maybe three mm-hmm. organizations, and I think that in the past few years they've actually been working together yeah. Uh, to resettle and to, uh, to help as many people as possible in the smartest way possible. Um, it's something that's inspiring to me. Yeah. So how has that been? How's that uh, internship been? Oh, it's been amazing. So I'm like in their youth department technically. So I teach a couple of days a week um, in their like elementary school program. Um, but also, like you were saying, we work with also, the, um, the IRC, the International Rescue Commission, I think, um, we work with, they have programs that work with our kids, too. And then within the agency, we kind of all <laughs> work together. Um, and so I've been, we have a mentoring program for older kids, so I've been helping them out with different stuff. Um, and, of course, there's a lot of, like, uh, behind-the-scenes, like, rec record keeping and like administrative stuff that I've been helping with um and just like getting to know lots of different things they do like helping with random tasks like not random but like various tasks um yeah the mundane tasks yeah but at the same like um I've been learning so much and like getting to see how much like behind the scenes goes into that has been really cool um and of course I love um, teaching that's been great um, and just like the number of things that they've been letting me do like I said I've just been learning so much about how much goes into like working with these families and um, and just their approach to working with families too has been really cool to see um, yeah yeah and Catholic Charities one of the things I like about them is that they are going to serve and resettle those who are displaced or these refugee families or individuals, no matter what their background is, no matter what their religion is, no matter, um, you know, how their, what their personality is like, 
Uh, and so it's out of their own Catholic charities, it's out of their own relationship with Christ that draws them to those who are in need. Uh, and so it's a very inclusive mode of service, uh, an inclusive vision of service. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the first things, like, when I was going through all my training onboarding stuff, they were very, like, we serve because we're Catholic and because of our relationship with Christ, but we we don't serve to convert people. We don't serve to, like, we serve, like you were saying, just to reach as many people that as we can and to support them on their journeys. Yeah. Um, just from that Christ-centered service. Yeah, and it's all witness, right? So yeah. it's all yeah. just like living a witness or living a testimony. Yeah. It is living out our mission mm-hmm. to... Uh, be the hands and feet of Christ in this very profound way. Yeah. Yeah. To sure. those who are in need. Uh, how? Do, yeah. So how does how does your own faith uh, fit in with all of this, with social work or with this internship specifically? Yeah. I. I mean, definitely. Um, like you were saying, um, just being the hands and feet of Christ, and I think um, even just. Um, and I think too, um, this kind of draws in, I had a really awesome experience in high school serving with a, an organization at home. Um, and so just through that too, um, and just definitely like where I grew up in, um, like the relationships I had, a lot of that has, um, taught me the importance of, or like shown me the importance of just genuinely like listening to people's stories and like finding the value in those and I think that's something that um that um that Christ shows us and teaches us um just like sitting with people and being with them on their journeys and so I think there's a lot of um I guess in I don't know if inspiration like yeah inspiration in that where just like seeing the way that um, Christ really just sat with people and was present with people and and of all kinds of different people. Um, I think that's been huge um, in like this for me and like showing me the way in like what I'm doing. Um, and also just like obviously just love. That's what it comes down to. And I think that's what I really love about what I'm doing is that it's it's about it's totally about the people that we're serving and it's about like supporting them on their journey and like doing as much as we can for them and it's all out of a place of like love and so I think always just remembering to come back to like that selfless um humble service and all that um yeah, that's been really huge too. Wow. Yeah. So I was first exposed to refugee resettlement a number of years ago. I had to give, I was at like an interreligious celebration for Thanksgiving, and they asked me if I would introduce the one of the main speakers, and I said, sure. So I'm, I have to, I have to prepare, and so I have to do research, and I'm researching this individual and this organization that resettles refugees from different parts of the world 
And all of a sudden, I was getting excited. I was like, man, this is awesome. This is awesome. Whatever these folks are doing is awesome. And so for me, that was like the beginning of my own journey with that. And then over the years, I've slowly been uh, like naturally invited to these different conversations, uh, whether that's within Atlanta or even nationally and globally, of just being a part of the conversation and, and just kind of continue learning and so forth. I was invited on a trip uh, a couple years ago with Catholic Relief Services, which is uh, like a international Catholic charities, basically. And uh, what they do is that they work around the globe and they empower local agencies or local social workers on the ground uh, because that's the best way of doing things, really, rather than going in and and saying that you know how to do everything or you know what needs to be done. Uh, but they, what they do is they basically are the, they basically do a lot of administration and oversee uh, organizations and social workers that are on the ground. Uh, particularly, at least the, the trip that I went on was regarding uh, refugee resettlement and specifically. And so we went to, I went to two countries. I went to Eastern Europe uh, in the country of Serbia and then also in the country of Greece. And uh, when we went to Serbia, we, uh, we talked to the local organizations on the ground and basically got to see the work that they're doing. And one of those organizations, I still talk to the gal today um, that I met, and she, she has this organization, she works with this organization uh, that basically t- uh, rescues... Uh, women and those who were vulnerable from being trafficked during immigration or migration routes. So folks who are being displaced in Africa, or not Africa, uh, yeah, I guess Africa too, Northern Africa, um, who are coming from Afghanistan, Iraq, the Middle East, Syria, all these areas, even Africa, Northern Africa, uh, and there's these refugee migration routes of individuals fleeing these places due to violence, due to persecution, due to terrorism, whatever. And the vulnerable will be picked off or will be threatened at gunpoint. Um, and what this organization does, what this, what this lady does that I, uh, that I kind of befriended, uh, what she does is she started, or at least... Uh, help develop an organization that uh, creates safe houses for those who are uh, vulnerable or those who are being rescued. And so you don't know where they stay. You don't know, um, you know, what, uh, where they're coming from or even names even. But what happens is that they get rescued and then they're such an, they're in such vulnerable condition because of the, the journey itself. And then the trafficking that happens that, uh, they're really, really um, broken, and they need some sort of empowerment, like you said. Um, they've seen way too much. Yeah. They've seen way too much, and to be able to... I have basically uh, considered her a saint because, uh, because she's living her life to strengthen and to empower those who... Uh, are forgotten about or overlooked and who are broken and in need of healing and freedom just in a general sense. And it's a very beautiful thing to do 
It's a very difficult thing to do, and it takes a particular kind of charism to be able to do that. Uh, I remember there was one one individual that I had talked to. He was a he was a father of five, and he his wife was right next to them, right next to him. And I was talking to him through a translator because yeah. uh, he didn't speak English and I didn't speak Farsi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we were we were communicating, we were talking, and I was basically trying one trying to encourage him but also like recognizing his fatherhood uh, and myself as a spiritual father I, and him just recognizing that he's trying to uh, deliver his family from Afghanistan from persecution and so I kind of just pointed at his fatherhood and said hey like your fatherhood is is impressive it's noble it's um, it's something that's inspiring to me. And we, it, it was kind of special because we kind of bonded in that moment, uh, just, uh, for him to, uh, almost be shown that dignity and have that fatherhood recognized because it's in the back of his head. He's doing it. He's not thinking about his fatherhood. He's just doing it. He's living it. He's doing whatever he needs to do. And so he, he opened up at that moment and he told me the whole story of fleeing from Afghanistan and um, he fleeing through Turkey and they spent a year in Turkey trying to, uh, they were in an apartment complex. As they were leaving the apartment complex, uh, he was held up at gunpoint. And um, at, at, after that, he fortunately survived that, his family survived that. And so then they had to trek through or across the Mediterranean by boat and as they do that, again, as a family with five kids, two parents, uh, they are they lose one of them. They lose one of the, the kids. Uh, they can't find one of the children. And so they, for hours, hours have gone by. And how the, the boats that, that we're talking about here are, um, they're usually boats for like 12 people, but they fit 100 people on them, right? They're, they're that kind of situation. So... He again think of think of this person's fatherhood or his wife's motherhood of like you're doing whatever you can for your family and you are trying to have them continue living and you're doing uh the best that you can and you are now feeling as if you perhaps lost or failed at your mission of of rescuing or or bringing to freedom all of your kids. Fortunately, uh, he, they found her, they found her. She was, I think she passed out due to dehydration and so wasn't responsive. And, um, they get to, they get to Greece, which is where I met them. And, um, and that's when the next part of the story happens, the next chapter, which is resettlement. Mm -hmm. And so insert the work that, uh, Catholic Charity is doing, or in this case, it was Catholic Relief, where you meet them there, and you take it from there, mm -hmm. right? They did the hard part. Uh, they yeah. uh, experienced way too much that you wouldn't wish on anybody, and you you get to take it from there. And, and so, like you said, it's like out of our love, like we want to relieve you of your burdens. We want to relieve you of the stress and the anxiety. And there's so many small things that need to happen. Uh, like, you know, Hey, can we, they, if they don't have a washer and dryer in their new home, 
It's like, how do we, can I, can I help wash your clothes for you? Like taking that kind of task away from them allows them to not think about that or allows them to rest from uh, all of these menial tasks that need to happen or the paperwork. Like you said, the paperwork (laughs) goes that far. It's like, okay, well you need to apply for some sort of status and you need to renew this status and you need to apply for this. It's like, okay, well, I don't know any of this. English isn't my first language. It's not even my language. I don't (laughs) know how to speak it. No, for sure. And so having a translator or having someone who's on the ground walking you through that and is patient with Mm -hmm. you, uh, it goes a long way. It goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. Just like, like you said, we, it's meeting them where they are. And like, um, there's, it's, there's something so beautiful in that because they're, as you said, they've gone through so much and like you're, you, there's just hard parts of those stories that, like you said, you wouldn't wish on anybody, but those are parts of those stories. And like you, um, I think there's something so beautiful in just being able to like meet them there and just, um, there's so much that you can like find my, like I was saying, my um, experiences mostly with the kids. Um, and I haven't been able to work with tons of families just like given the COVID situation, but even just working with the kids and like when seeing them like open up and, um, about different things and, um, just being invited into those stories is such a blessing too, but it, and it's just cool to be able to, um, be that person that or be one of those people that can just like support them where they are and like um, really encounter the beauty of their stories um, and, you know, just learn from that and support them in whatever way they need. Yeah. So how are the, I don't have interaction with the kids. How are the kids on, um, on basically in their new home and as resettled, like what are some issues that would come up or what do they deal with? Like what, what is that experience? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. Um, our kids are pretty young. I would mostly work with second and third graders. And so they, um, it's not, I wouldn't say like on a regular basis, they open up about those kind of stories, but definitely, um, um, they have memories of what was home and they have memories of like um, family that might still be in the country that they came from. I've heard those kind of stories before where um, it's a, oh, like I, you know, my my uncle used to do this for my brothers and sisters and I and like the uncle is still wherever they came from. or um, And those stories are just heartbreaking too. And so even, I think it's easy to think like, about the adults in that situation, like they have those vivid memories and they lived there for so long, but the kids definitely have those memories too. And like, um, the, are dealing with like reconciling, having to leave home and, um, start home anew, um, or like create a new home here. Um, and obviously we focus a lot on like the academic challenges. Um, a lot of these families left, so they left their home country and then went to another country before they came to the United States. And so some of these kids may not have been in school for, you know, a couple of years. And, um, sometimes there's complications like 
getting them at the right place in the school system here. And so sometimes there ends up being, um, you know, situations where like age wise, they're in one grade here, but really they've never been in school before. They haven't been in school for a really long time. And so there's a lot of academic needs there. Um, just, and again, English not being the first language, there's needs there. Um, and so it's just like a wide, a really wide range of things that the kids go through. And it's obviously very different for each kid, but yeah, they have some really like things I can't even imagine going through when they're like seven, eight, nine years old. Um, yeah. Do they have ways that they can, I guess, have fun? Um, do you know of ways that they, that you see them having fun? Yeah. So I, I know that there's a lot in like the communities where they are, like they'll, um, have big soccer games that they organize or, um, things like that. Um, I don't really, we try to make, so our program is, um, it's all virtual right now. So I haven't, my, uh, time with everybody has been pretty limited, but we are definitely lesson based because we're trying to support those academic needs, but we also do make time for, um, dancing for, you know, um, playing around. Um, I'll be like (laughs) the other week I was, we were dancing to the floor is lava and so I'm, like, in my dorm room, jumping up on my desk chair to, like, <laughs> play the floors lava with these kids. Um, but those things are fun, too, and it's fun to just see them, you know, let loose and have that space to talk with each other to get away from those things and just um, still find those connections with each other, even though um, they're not able to go to school in person um, hmm. and those kind of things right now. Yeah, it's allowing them to be kids. Yeah. Allowing them to be children rather than grow up immediately. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I know that I've heard the same thing with Oasis here, uh, Oasis with our sisters and the ministry that happens there in Pinewood Estates um, of looking at just how much more it's needed, like a tutoring is needed now. Uh, because there is no uh, normalcy Mm -hmm. and there is already setbacks that, all right, well, like we need to invest even more so right now in this craziness of a year uh, for the sake of the kids so that they can continue to be kids so they can grow up and so they can have confidence in growing up, but also so that they can remain uh, to have a a childhood that's full of uh, love and fun. And that's been one of the big things. Um, We have lesson plans, but the number of days that we've just, like, gone off and just let them take the lead and let them drive the conversation and let them just have that space to to be kids and to just... And those are are the most joyful, like, um, things, too. Like, that's every... It's so easy for me to get, like lost in the mundane of like you know whatever I'm doing and that's every time the kids are so like they're so joyful about what they're doing and giving those them those spaces to like not lose that 
and to just um, really be present, it's, it's a gift to be a part of that too. Yeah. yeah. So as a social worker, like how does, like, how has this shaped your understanding of social work? I think it's been really cool to be kind of like starting into my social work classes and then doing this at the same time, because I think both have been like shaping the other. So things I'm learning about in my classes where like, um, like the way social workers go about stuff, um, like the empowerment stuff is huge. Um, where we're not, you know, we're not just trying to like swoop in and save the day, but it's about, um, supporting people and giving them the tools they need to like take charge of their own story. Um, and just finding their strengths in that. So those are like huge things in social work. Um, but then to just have come into this agency and see the work they're doing and see the work that, you know, my team is doing and just how they're putting those things into action. Cause it's one thing to learn about it in the classroom and say like, yeah, that sounds like a really nice idea. Um, but then just to have like come into this and see how they're really putting that into action and like really um, uh, meeting those families there. And like, even though most of the people I work with aren't social workers, it's just, it is social work. And like, I just see all of these things um, put into practice in what I'm doing. And so it's been a really, it's been a, a hands-on learning experience of what I'm encountering in the classroom, which has been really cool. Um, and really, um, guiding in the sense of like, as I kind of progress through now, like my next few years here and then like searching for like where I want to be after that and like where I want to work, like knowing, like having this experience to say like, these were the things that were so beautiful about what this agency was doing, like how they were doing that and kind of being able to use that going forward and saying like, yes, that means a lot for me to like be a part of something that's doing the same thing. That's putting the people we're working with first and like loving them above all things. Yeah. It's interesting as well that you have, you've, it's almost forced you to have a global perspective Right, because you're talking to somebody or you're talking to a family member who's from across the world dealing with an issue that you will never see yourself. And yet you recognize the reality of that issue through that other individual. And so you are brought into the reality itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're brought into the reality as well. And so it has, at least in my own perspective, it has you thinking globally. Yeah. It has you thinking about people around the world and the hardships that people endure uh, and what kind of role you can play um, in that, in alleviating that or helping that or bringing about, we call it bringing about the kingdom of God on earth, of, of bringing about life, uh, true life on earth. And this is one way uh, that we do it is by uh, working on the local level uh, to the needs that are at hand or the immediate needs. But it has global impact. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's such a cool... um, I'm forever grateful for, like, the experience I had going through, like, elementary, middle, high school. um, And the community I come from is so diverse. And so I think that's always been a part of, like, 
we live in a country that's so diverse and like there's so much beauty in that like in in going back to those stories like these are experiences that I will never live firsthand but there's so much like God is working in all of these stories and so what a gift to be able to like encounter those and hear those and learn from those and just see how God is working like on a bigger tapestry. Yeah. 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 So there's, there's something, there's a a word that is uh, called uh, inculturation. It's when we inculturate or when we insert the gospel or insert church life, uh, insert Christ into a culture. And what happens to that culture we believe is that it, it comes to life. It flourishes in a true sense and a beautiful sense uh, and every culture is capable of being penetrated by the gospel and have it be developed and so forth. And so what you're saying is that you've been encountering uh, these other people who are part of our human family, uh, but also who have been brought to life by uh, the life of God, and you've been on the receiving end of being able to see that. Uh, it, it makes for a contemplative life, I would say it makes for a contemplative life where you get to see God at work in f- the faces and in the gestures of other people that who you are fascinated at meeting, mm-hmm. uh, who are from around the globe, who you would have never met had it not been for this situation. And yet you're having a very spiritual, divine encounter with them. And I'm sure that they're also, you know, having one as well as they are received uh, and taken care of and accompanied by those who, out of pure love uh, for people, really, and for life, is that uh, there's that mission, that Catholic Charities mission or that social work mission of wanting everyone to live and thrive and and be joyful. Yeah, and I think it's so cool. Um, I It's... It's one of those things where, like I've talked about, it's I see Christ in these stories and like I have the beautiful like opportunity to like see him through others. But I also think that then I can kind of I've been able to like take that and say, well, I've encountered so like just in in their presence. And it's it's nothing. It's usually in the smallest moments that I'm like, wow, like where I really feel that I encountered God in like in these relationships. And I, so I think something that's been huge about like the service work I've been able to do is turning that around too and saying like, I, it was so beautiful to encounter God in these people and to say, cause I think it's easy. I don't know. I've kind of struggled with this in like doubting, like doubting I don't want to say doubting my story but like I think it's easy to look at the the times we've messed up or the times that like we haven't handled something or like all the things we could have been doing and so I think one of the beautiful things about it too is that I've been able to a little bit turn it around and say like okay showing up and like really being present to people can be such a beautiful thing too and I think obviously I'm not always perfect but I think turning that around and like 
trying to be really intentional about like how I show up with people too has been something that I've really learned through the ways that I've encountered people doing what I'm doing. If that makes sense. Yeah. You've, you, you're learning from them. Yeah. You're learning from them. Yeah. And just taking that and trying to apply that just in my interactions, just day to day outside of work too. just seeing the beauty of encountering God in like all the people that I come across. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because you would think that you're on the helping end, yeah. right? So it's like there's almost this temptation to say, well, I'm going to help you. Mm-hmm. But what you're finding is that, that they're actually helping you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I think that's such a, it's such a special thing to be a part of. And I think... I mean, it's something that our faith teaches, too. Like, I think that it's, you know, in, like, there's so much to be said for, like, an emptying of self and, like, of just, like, encountering people and encountering Christ in people and just not making it about us, but making it about, like, about love and about encountering Christ. Yeah, when you say emptying yourself, what do you mean? Like just humbling um, ourselves. Because I, um, I, that's what so much... Because mm, like that's what um, Christ showed us. Like the, the work he did was... It was about the other person, but... Um, Selfless. Yeah, just not... Just being humble about it and like letting God work through it. Yeah. So the, there's this Greek word called kenosis. You familiar with that word? Mm -hmm. I've heard you use it before. You've heard me use (laughs) it. Oh man. (laughs) So kenosis is that emptying of oneself. Mm -hmm. It comes from, I think it's Philippians uh, chapter one, though he, one or three, I forget, but though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped or understood. Uh, rather, he emptied himself. He kenosised, t- taking the form of a servant. Um, so, yeah, and so there's that there's that emptying of oneself, that pouring out of oneself, that in that uh, humbling of oneself, mm-hmm. of self forgetfulness, uh, where you forget your own self and it's all about that other person. Um, there's something in so it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and that's the Christian. That's the Christian message of the incarnation: is this of God? For God so loved the world that He emptied Himself, that He sent His only Son, that He entered into the world and was in solidarity with humanity. Um, though He was in the form of God, uh, Jesus emptied Himself. Yeah, it's beautiful kenosis. Yeah. Kenosis. I almost. Uh, I used to brew beer, and I even, uh, I had labels for beer called Kenosis Brewery. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Uh, another buddy of mine. We both uh, brew beer together. Uh, but there's. It, it's such a powerful image, and it's it's the uh, it's the method of Christ. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Right? And so in imitating Christ, it is also our method. In order to be Christ-like, that's how we do it. In order to be Christ-like, that's how we serve, is this kenosis or this self-emptying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what we're, we're called to. And it's cool to, I don't know. It's cool to. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating because life's actually way more interesting when it's not all about yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're constantly learning and meeting people and, and engaging with others. And I think it's I think it's beautiful. I mean, it's again, there's this tapestry that's out there. And I could be wrapped up in my own life, my own drama and so forth uh, and missing that tapestry, mm-hmm. that art, that art creation. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, God's working in all of our lives, but it's so cool to be able to see how each, the way he's working in each of our stories is making that bigger story. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's, at least from my own experience, it's when you are selfless and you do uh, pour yourself out, again, imitating this method of Christ, that you recognize that, hey, I'm actually being used with the gifts and the charisms that I have in order to uh, facilitate or help foster that tapestry, that artwork, that beautiful creation mm-hmm. in that pouring out of oneself. That's actually how, um, it's that actually how I benefit or I help benefit, uh, help contribute to that tapestry. There's something else about, and I don't know if you know anything about this, um, or if you've come across it, but, uh, it's something that I've had to work with is like self-care amidst giving out Mm. this outpouring right so like i don't know if you've come across this in social work it's like it's they call it compassion fatigue they call it uh various different kinds of of things but um it's like you're you're pouring out yourself so much but in an unsmart way yeah (laughs) in a way that's like gosh like i'm i'm no longer able to and so for yeah. me, at least as a priest, I've had to figure out ways. I've had to set boundaries I've, with myself. I've had to like, figure out how do I do this well? How do, I, mm-hmm. how do I give of myself well? And oftentimes what it looks like is resting and rejuvenating and relaxing and retreating and, uh, and doing the things and eating healthy and, and uh, leaning on support and creating a support system that I can talk to, that I can vent to, um, so that I can get back out there. Yeah. Right. So that I can get back out there and continue to try to pour myself out or to be used as an instrument there mm-hmm. um, to help foster this beautiful tapestry. But I found that I've had to like, I, it's a, been a learning experience for sure. I've made a lot of mistakes because of not having self-care, you know, being burnt out and then making mistakes from that. And, um, so it's something that I also value and, and appreciate as being like having this well-roundedness uh, that allows you to give of yourself well. Yeah, no, that's huge, and that's something that I am learning at the moment. I'm, and it's something that I've been forced to learn more and like lean into more because I'm not. I'm not good at that um and but it's definitely one of those things where um it's I kind of 
I was talking about like being intentional in relationships earlier and I find that I can I put I put a lot into like being sure that I'm able to be like really intentional in my relationships at work and like I know that's a commitment that I've made and um then I find myself like not um being able to give that same like um intentionality in like my personal relationships like with friends with family with those kind of things and um and it's been a hard because then um it's one of those things where I'm like well great like I'm I'm doing this work of like serving and all of that but then in my own life I'm not living out those same you know that same um love in the best way that like I I should be and that I'm called to and so yeah that's been huge and I'm definitely still figuring that one out but just and being true I think that's one of the big things I've had to learn since coming to college is being true to who I am and being true to how I need to rest and like not in a selfish way but in a way that like like you said that I can then that I can continue to give and continue to be intentional in my relationships um but like um I'm very introverted by nature and so like being true to that and and being okay with taking time for myself and being okay with saying okay like I'm not gonna do this big social event because I need to have my own time to you know um sit and read and journal or whatever it is for me um but being able to be true to myself in that those are tough boundaries (laughs) yeah yeah it's very tough um because we don't like saying no but like the only way i can say yes to everything in the life is by saying no to this one thing (laughs) yep yeah yeah (laughs) and yeah no it's definitely it's definitely hard but it's huge and you know, Jesus rested too. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. So if I was, if I could ask you a question, say, for example, um, someone comes, someone who is also, uh, thinking about social work, say someone who's entering into their first year or someone who's entering into their second year or wherever, someone who's entering into social work and they start to recognize that it's a bit heavy, uh, like the stuff that we've just talked about is, you know, somewhat heavy. Yeah. Uh, like, what advice would you give in terms of like navigating that? Because it's 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 something that you're capable of doing, mm-hmm. um, but it also takes a little bit of wisdom in order to navigate those things. Yeah. Um, I would say, kind of going back to what I was just saying, um, um, being true to you. So like, and that, and sometimes it takes a lot of time and like trying different things to figure out what, what, how you best need to rest and like how best you, um, need to handle those things. I know for me, um, I have recently started journaling and that's been like a huge, um, 
way that I've kind of found escape and found like um, peace and like um, been able to have like some intentional time with God, which is huge too. Um, and also I think finding your own, um, like you were saying, support system. Um, that's been huge for me knowing those people that I can go to when I need to, when I need to vent, when I need to, um, let go, um, and yeah, just finding those relationships too that are, that, um, you can, you can lean on each other. Yeah, because it's it's not something that you can do on your own. As, you know, none of us... And we're not meant to do it alone. And so I think finding that too. So like finding that community um, and also just finding those ways to that make you feel the most like rested and fulfilled mm. um, in those times that... You, you need to step away from everything for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I know for myself, I I have specific friends that I continue to, to do life with. I have family members. I have uh, mentors. I have counselor. Uh, I have activities that to do on my downtime to make sure I get out of my head or I get out of, uh, you know, into a different environment so that, again, so you can get back into doing what you're doing in a way that is healthy, in a way that's balanced, in a way that's joyful and fulfilling. Uh, and it's worth it. It's yeah. worth like figuring out all the stops. Yeah. So that, <laughs> so, yeah. Th- so that you can actually continue to do something that's very profound and very enriching and very meaningful. Yeah. And it's not, it's also something that takes like, <laughs> I don't want to say it takes messing up, but like in some ways it kind of does. Um, because there have been times where I'm like, I maybe think I'm resting or I think I'm like, you know, I think I've, uh, whatever, like I think I am handling it well. And then I'm like, well, actually you're still like so burnt out. So like Mm. you, maybe this is not working. Um, and be like, be willing to take the step to try something different, um, to step out in courage if that's like, you know, reaching out to someone different or if that's, you know, reaching out to a counselor or um, a spiritual director or, like, if there's something that you're, like, well, maybe I should, maybe I should try this, like, having the courage to to, to do that for yourself, too. Um, because it makes a difference. And, like, all your relationships are connected. That's what I've found, too. Like, mm. when I'm not, when I'm not taking care of myself, when I'm not taking care of my relationship with God in the best way, then like my other relationships suffer. And like when I'm not taking care of myself or I'm like so burnt out, then like my relationship with God suffers. So like it's just finding (laughs) the balance of all of that. And it's sometimes, like I said, it takes messing up and like realizing that you've messed up to say, okay, like I got to try something different and then having the courage to, to do that. Which is easier said than done. Hmm. <laughs> Your love never changes.
Thank you for listening to the Catholic Dogs Podcast. The Catholic Center is located at 1344 South Lumpkin Street. For more info on how you can get involved, check out our Instagram at Catholic Dogs. See you at Mass.